welcome back to another episode of Missing the Point with Miles David. I am your guy, your host, Miles David. And for some strange reason, I feel like I have not been in front of this mic in forever. I don't know why. Like, I just started this whole podcasting thing and I feel like I miss it already. So I guess that's a good thing. I guess that <laughs> means I'm going somewhere in the right direction. We shall see. Anywho, I'm thankful you guys are lending me your ears for another episode and I am going to try my best to hop on this mic, say what I got to say, get all the stuff that's on my chest about tennis and non-things related to tennis as well and hop right back off because I got things to do and I don't want to hold y'all and somebody told me that my episodes are a little long (laughs) and that's okay, you know. Positive and constructive feedback is great. I appreciate it. Don't be rude, but I appreciate, uh, I appreciate good feedback. So I will try and keep that in mind when I'm sitting here yapping my mouth in front of a mic. Anywho, let's just jump into some tennis tidbits. As I record this, we are in the midst of the French Open, aka Roland Garros, aka the Detroit of Grand Slams. I don't know if I've said that on the podcast. One of my followers, shout out to Max, he said that in my mentions one day. And I just, that has literally lived rent free in my head since he said it. So shout out to him. (laughs) That's really funny. I have no idea why that just popped in my head as soon as I press record. Anyway, we are in the midst of that tournament. And as I speak right now, we know who our semifinalists are. We are looking at semifinalists on the men's side. With Rafael Nadal, of course, we all knew he was going to make it to the semifinals, at least because he's Rafael Nadal and he owns that tournament. He has 12 titles, so that's not a huge shocker. Playing Rafael Nadal in the semifinals is a little bit of a surprise, but not much. I've mentioned him on the last episode of the podcast. His name is Diego Schwartzman. He's from Argentina. He's like all of 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, it's really nice to see a short guy doing good things on the tour because... The tour and tennis in general has just kind of gone up and up and up. So it's nice to see somebody break through that is a shorty. And I like shorties. Shorties don't like me. Well, they do. (laughs) Short people like me because I am tall. But sometimes short people have that short man syndrome. And if you're listening to this and you know what I'm talking about, then you probably have experienced it with a short man somewhere in your life. And Diego doesn't really come across like he has that. He's always smiling and just happy to be out there. So I'm excited for the guy. I'm excited for Diego Schwartzman. And I hope he puts on a good show against Rafael Nadal in the semifinals. Also in the semifinals, we have Novak Djokovic. Um, good for him. <laughs> and we also have Stefanos Tsitsipas, who is a young up-and-coming player from Greece. He has reached the semifinals of a Grand Slam before at the 2019 Australian Open, beating Roger Federer along the way. So he definitely is coming into his own. I'm excited to see how those semifinal matches play out and who will end up in the final on Sunday. Because Lord knows, I feel like I have been watching this tournament for 50, 11 years. But anyway, <laughs> on the women's side, we have semifinalists of... Complete nobodies. I'm joking. I just had to say that. It was on the tip of my tongue. Like, we don't have complete nobodies in the semifinals, but we definitely have a couple of players that people, probably including myself, just didn't expect to get to the semifinals. And when I say that, I am talking about Iga Swiatek representing Poland. I want to say I've mentioned Iga's name on the podcast before. I'm not 100% sure if I've edited me mentioning her name in prior conversations on the podcast about tennis. I may have edited it out just because I felt like she hadn't, this is going to sound so bad when I say it, (laughs) I feel like she hadn't reached the point of relevancy yet, but she still was somebody that I had. Like, if you ask my friends that I talk about tennis with, then you know I probably have mentioned her name. And I like the way she plays. She plays with a Prince racket. Shout out to people listening that play with Prince rackets. They are not obsolete. She plays with them. She's doing well, obviously, because she's in the semifinals of a Grand Slam. Needless to say, she is relevant now. (laughs) She sure did made me uh, check myself for not putting her in a podcast, if I haven't. But she's relevant now. She's representing Poland. And I think she has a really good shot of getting to the final. She has beaten Simona Halep who basically was the strongest contender for the title. She beat her handily, and she pretty much has beaten everybody in the draw handedly. 
for the entirety of the tournament. I'm pretty sure she's only dropped at least four games in any of her sets, which is crazy. She's 19 and she is blasting everybody off the court. Not even necessarily blasting them. She is just getting them off the court as efficiently as she can. And she plays tennis in her own kind of quirky, dynamic, but also powerful way. So shout out to her. And I got to give love to her semifinal opponent who literally came out of nowhere. I I have literally never seen this young woman's name on any <laughs> tennis draw, any tennis app, any news feed that I follow. Her name is Nadia Podoroska. She represents Argentina, another Argentine. I just mentioned Diego Schwarzman. We have another Argentine player in the semifinals in Podoroska. She is 23 years old. And she basically came out of nowhere. This is only her second Grand Slam tournament. She's kind of been in the lower tiers of professional tennis. And she has just come through and beat everybody that she wasn't supposed to beat and make her way to the semifinals. So that is a really feel-good Cinderella story. So I hope, her, you know, I wish her continued success. They really haven't shown, from, from my point of view, although she's had a great tournament, they really haven't shown too much coverage of her like on tennis channel and tennis channel is the main coverage or tennis channel is holding the main coverage for this french open and we really have not seen much of her <laughs> i don't think they've even put her on a major show court yet so i don't really know how she plays but just from looking at her name going through everybody in the draw she's really playing good tennis so kudos to her i think her run might come to an end against Swiatek, Iga Swiatek, just because she's already gone through qualifying to get through to the semifinal. So we'll see if she has enough in the reserves in her tank to play well. But I'm kind of giving an edge to Swiatek just because she's played so well and hasn't dropped a set throughout the entire tournament. And then the other two semifinalists are more or moderately known names. We have Sophia Kennan, who plays for the USA. She's the 2020 Australian Open champ. She is a young gun that kind of came out of nowhere earlier this year. Not to say that she is, you know, a fluke, but she's proven herself to be a tough match competitor. So she definitely didn't really have many people talking about her coming into this tournament because she got her butt whooped a week ago in Rome by Victoria Azarenka. So people were kind of on the edge and her confidence didn't really look too high. So people really weren't talking about her, but now she's kind of in the mix of things. And she's playing good tennis, scrappy. She's playing good scrappy tennis. Not perfect, but she is making it do what it do, I guess. And getting to the semifinals is no is no small feat. So kudos to her. And then the last semifinalist on the women's single side is Petra Kvitova. Petra Kvitova is a two-time Wimbledon champion. I love watching her play outside of the fact that she's a lefty. I'm a lefty. I always root for lefties. <laughs> except for, never mind, I'm not going to say that. If you know me, you know who I was going to say except for. <laughs> I, I root for Petra just because she comes off as just a likable person. If you look into her history, she had a really traumatic incident happen to her in 2016. Her home was invaded where she's from in uh, the Czech Republic. And she actually fought off her attacker with a knife. Well, the person attacked her with a knife and she fought them off. And in the process of that, she got her hand slashed. And, and as a tennis player, your hands are crucial. So it was kind of iffy there for a second if she was going to be able to come back. But luckily, she found a really great surgeon and they were able to save her hand. And she's been working her way into form ever since then, winning some titles, winning some bigger titles. And now she's back in the swing of things. She made a Grand Slam final back in 2019 at the Australian Open, losing to Naomi Osaka. And that was great for her. She actually had a chance to leave that tournament as the number one ranked female on the tour, but she lost. But I'm, I'm happy that she's back in the mix. Clay isn't really, the, the clay surface really doesn't naturally suit her game. However, she does have some titles on the clay, just not the big one at in Paris at Roland Garros. So she's back in the semifinals. She's been in the semifinals before back in 2012. So I'm excited for her. I'm really excited that she has kind of, you know, pushed all that negative stuff with the attack kind of behind her and continue to play good tennis because she is definitely not a pushover by any means and she already has a hall of fame career so she is just adding to her legacy and i hope that she does well i'm not sure if she's going to be able to 
um, be as consistent as Sophia Kennan on the clay. So I'm predicting a Sophia Kennan and an Iga Swiatek final just based off of how they've both been playing. But we will see. We will see. I think it's going to be those two in the finals. And I think we are on the men's side. We are in for a Rafael Nadal and Tsitsipas final. I'm going to put it out there. I know Djokovic has not lost a match outside of him being defaulted. Insert joke here. <laughs> defaulted in New York. He hasn't lost a match. But I think Tsitsipas may pull off that, the upset. I think I'm doing that more with my heart than my head. Just because Djokovic always wins. He wins. He's won literally everything this year that he's played. So, And I'm also not the biggest fan. I feel like I've said that <laughs> already. So I'm going to try to just pull back on my unfandom. Is that a word? I guess made it up of Novak Djokovic. And, you know. I'm not going to hope that he loses, but I think Sissy Paz is going to win. See how I spun that? See? There we go. But that is where we are with the French Open. It concludes, what is what is today? I'm recording this on Wednesday? Yeah. Uh, it concludes this Sunday, and that will be it for the season as far as Grand Slam tennis is concerned, which is still a little odd that the French Open is like the last hoorah. Usually it's the U.S. Open, but we are just going along to get along in the year of 2020. I promise you it's soon wacky, and <laughs> I'm sure there is more to come because it's only October. We're almost done, but we're not quite out of the woods yet. So that is it for my little tennis tidbits today. Well, me and my friend Brian are most likely going to do an entire episode recapping the French Open, and that will probably be out sometime next week once I finish editing it sidebar no one told me <laughs> they did but I, maybe it didn't sink in that I had to be the host editor producer and like social media content person for my own podcast it's a lot that's all that's why I haven't told y'all like what days to expect episodes just because the days can fluctuate <laughs> y'all not sitting here editing the audio content for me so I gotta do it myself it's a one-man show over here so until I get things situated how I want them to be we're looking at weekly but I can't tell y'all which day it's gonna come so it's always gonna be a surprise it's gonna be a surprise in your inbox from me once a week <laughs> promise at least once a week we're gonna swing it out that way so that is it for tennis tidbits I'm gonna dive much deeper into the French Open like I said when I do an episode recapping the entire tournament from first ball to last and tune in for that in the meantime i'm actually going to switch over and do my hot topic segment down the t so you guys stay tuned for that and i will be right back actual podcasters or like other podcasters do this but you know when I said like stay tuned and I'll be right back I literally am coming back the next day just because <laughs> shit happened okay I was sitting here recording and I had to take a step back and do some stuff because life happens and there's a whole nother freaking hurricane in the gulf I don't know why that keeps happening like it literally keeps happening it's October. The water should be cold. And I'm like, if you know anything about hurricanes, you know that they like thrive in warm water. Like, shit. Like, it keeps happening. It keeps freaking happening. Anyway, it's time for Down the Tea. I got a lot to talk about, and I'm going to just try to hit my points and get in and get out, get in there, get out of there, because a lot has been happening. A lot of stuff I feel keeps coming across my phone and on my, on my screens, on my feeds, and all kind of stuff. And it just... This is the reason I have this thing right here in front of me to talk about so that y'all can get the information that y'all looking for as far as hot topics and urban entertainment and just what's going on in the world. And I can get it off my chest because I usually have an opinion about it. So it works both ways. <laughs> anyway, the first thing I really want to talk about is Megan Thee Stallion. 
Megan Thee Stallion, if you don't know, she is a rapper. She has probably like the number one song out right now called WAP, which stands for um, Wet and Gushy. <laughs> I'll say that. So she has actually been in an ordeal for the past couple of months with another male rapper by the name of Tory Lanez, who's all of 5'4", maybe 5'5", five five on a good day when he's wearing his Tims. Either way, he that's so funny that he's that short. And I know I mentioned earlier about guys with short man syndrome, and he definitely seems like he suffers from that. Like, he just does the absolute most to make up for the fact that you can't see him over the steering wheel. Like, that's, like... It's okay, sir. Everybody wasn't blessed with height. You still have attributes that God gave you. Use those. Anyway, <laughs> Tory Lanez actually is alleged to have been in a situationship or some kind of romantic dealing with Megan Thee Stallion for a little while, but it kind of all came to a screeching halt back in July when Tory Lanez allegedly shot Megan Thee Stallion in her foot. And just to give backstory... A couple months ago, like I said, back in July, Megan Thee Stallion, there's actually footage that TMZ, <laughs> I, was, I was about to call them Truth Maybe Zero. Who said, I think the I think the read, I think Kid Fury and Crystal uh, has that term in my head, Truth Maybe Zero. But anyway, TMZ uh, reported that they were uh, inside of a suburban Tory Lanez, Megan Thee Stallion, some security and then Megan Thee Stallion's homegirl were in a were in a truck leaving Kylie Jenner's pool party back in July and well apparently there was an argument that started after the group left that Hollywood party and then and Tory Lane somehow opened up fire from inside the vehicle and allegedly shot and hit Megan in her feet which is ironic not ironic and I'm not trying to make I'm not trying to make light of her injuries because we all know you should know at least that, you know, shooting some shooting at somebody is not okay. Like there obviously are grave injuries and death that can come from that. So I'm not making, I'm not making light of that, but it's funny that <laughs> he shot her in her damn foot because he's all of five, five and she is no pun intended a stallion. Like she's a tall woman and he shot her in the foot. But anyway, so they got pulled over by LAPD. There was this whole video going on of Megan, clearly bleeding on the sidewalk as she tried to follow the police's instructions to leave the vehicle and you know she went to the hospital there were pictures leaked of her injuries thank god she didn't have any like life-threatening ones it was pretty much a flesh wound for the most part that required stitches on her foot and she walked away from the incident you know, on her own strength and it wasn't terrible, but needless to say, she still was shot at and she was a victim of somebody shooting at her. Like that's never going to be cool, especially when it turns out that he wasn't even supposed to have that weapon. It was, it was illegally registered or it wasn't registered at all. And he was arrested on possession of a concealed weapon back when the event still happened. And even when the event happened, like I said, this was back in July when the actual shooting took place. We are in October now. We are just getting to a point where we're starting to get more of the pieces of the story that happened that night. But between July and October, both of them or both of the parties involved kind of did their own thing as far as not talking about it and then choosing when to talk about it. I'm sure that had something to do with both of their PRs and their personal choices. And then from the outside looking in, it looked like they wanted to, or at least Megan wanted to try to not name you know not name Tori as the person that shot her I guess in some way to protect him because I'm sure there was some kind of at one point at least there was some kind of loyalty trust and affection there but all that kind of goes out the window once you realize and sit with the fact that somebody shot you and obviously didn't give a damn about your life enough to pull a gun and shoot you even if it did hit you in the foot they still had enough rage and anger from whatever kind of argument y'all had to pull a trigger on you. And that's not, no matter how you slice that, that's never going to be somebody that actually gives a damn about you. So I'm glad that she came to her senses and was able to actually name Tory Lanez as a person that, that, you know, shot and attacked her. And she actually spoke her piece on Instagram. And I'm just going to play a little clip of that. So you guys can get scope on where she was and like where her mind was. Cause she didn't speak out, like I said, she didn't speak out like the day after or the, the day after that 
when it happened. She kind of took her time and went to, you know, she went to the proper people and she really just didn't name and she didn't say much for the longest time. So I'm going to play what she did say just in a second. Yes, this Tory shot me. You shot me. You draw shot me. Like everybody in the car, it's only four motherfuckers in the car. Me, you, my homegirl, and your security. Everybody in the car arguing. I'm in the front seat. This nigga in the back seat. I get out the car. I'm done arguing. I don't want to argue no more. I get out. I'm walking away. This from out the back seat of the car starts shooting me. You shot me. So as you can see, she was clearly pretty distraught and there were emotions coming up about reciting the incident that happened not that long ago. And like I said, that reaction that you just heard was not even the day after day after that, or even a week after the incident, she took basically a whole month before she got on any kind of platform and her platform is huge to say what happened to her and then to say who did it. So she was basically giving people the room to speculate, which I hate because people on the internet, especially trolls, especially people that hate her for whatever reason or just hate black women in general for whatever reason, took that as like her having something to hide. When in reality, if you do the math and have any kind of common sense, given the social climate, and she even said this to some effect, she didn't want to see anybody go to jail. And nonetheless, somebody she was she was, you know, in a situation with and her like she probably just kept quiet because of everything that's going on with black people and the police who can really blame her. So she just took her time and said, let me kind of just deal with this on my own before I just start making statements via Instagram live, which I think was a smart thing to do What the complete dumbass thing to do was what Tory Lanez did. And what I mean by that is basically take all the hype around this whole situation. I mean, his name and Megan's name were two of the biggest hot topics on Twitter for weeks. Like people were just talking about it. He took all of that and in an effort to basically make money and keep up this whole clout thing, he released a whole project. I mean, like a whole album and decided to use that as a avenue to speak on his side of things and i just think that that is one cowardly and two it makes zero sense and it doesn't paint you out to be any lesser it doesn't paint you out to be any lesser of the aggressor because think about it if somebody is going on any kind of platform and saying that i shot them and i am the person that they are accusing of being the shooter and I'm trying to make people think I didn't do it. As soon as you say something, I'm going to be like, I ain't do that shit. Especially if you actually did not do it. Because why would you want anybody walking around saying you shot them when you actually didn't? Why wait and get freaking producers and beats and whack-ass rhymes together to try to release a project and address it like you some kind of Tupac? You're nothing. You're not that. You're like, you're not some ultra deep lyricist that people got to just stop and listen to he went on and just kept his mouth quiet which he really should have done from the out from the outset but instead of keeping his mouth quiet like i say he dropped a whole damn album and he tweeted out some bullshit said to my fans quote i'm sorry for my silence but respectfully i got time today 9 p.m pacific standard time You would think he was about to drop some shit like Beyonce dropped in 2013 with self-titled. It it actually was, it couldn't have been farther from that. I didn't listen to it, but from the shit that I listened to, well, I'll say that. I have not listened to the entire project because I refused to one, stream it on my phone, and I'm not going to support somebody that clearly is in the wrong. And I'm saying clearly in the wrong because actually today, the Huffington Post released a statement the la county or los angeles county or whatnot that the whole entire incident happened at that they're actually charging him and i'm going to read that in a second but he went on to say in his album money over fallouts or in his album a song called money over fallouts i'm thinking and he said somewhere in the driest song how the f you get shot in your foot don't hit no bones or tendons that's what he said in the song first of all dummy There are people that have gotten shot 
multiple places on their body and it didn't hit a bone or a tendon. Like you do not have to be a scientist, a physician's assistant, a damn CNA to figure that out. Like, I don't understand how he thought that would somehow cast doubt over what Megan the Stallion is saying happened to her. Because she got shot in her foot and the bullet didn't hit any bones or tendons. That means she's lying? That is going to be your defense? Oh, well, she's saying she shot and it, it didn't hit nothing. What? That doesn't mean anything. You can still be shot and it not be a fatal wound, you idiot. Like... <sighs> he pissed me off with that entire situation and handling like that because it didn't make him look any better. And then you have people that get on their platform, whether they be other rappers themselves, and say things in support of him. Now, don't get me wrong. I, as a black man myself, am not trying to be like the person that sends all black men to jail. Trust me, there are enough black men in jail that either were rappers aspire to be rappers or just you know are just black men in general so i'm not trying to push for him to be under the jail but what i am wanting to see is a punishment that fits the crime and with that i'm going to read the statement that the huffington post released today it says rap artists charged with assault of women in hollywood hills i'm just going to paraphrase it because it's not a lot but it's kind of a lot his real name is even daystar peterson i mean some people probably knew that but like ugh, whatever it says, quote, Daystar Peterson, a.k.a. Tory Lanes, was charged today in case B.A. blah, 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 with one felony count, each of assault with a semi-automatic firearm, personal use of a firearm, and carrying a loaded, unregistered firearm in a vehicle. The defendant also faces a gun allegation and that he personally inflicted great bodily injury. His arraignment is scheduled for October 13th in Department 30 of the Fultz Criminal Justice Center, on July 12th, the defendant and the 24-year-old victim got into an argument while riding in an SUV in the Hollywood Hills. The victim exited the vehicle and Peterson is accused of shooting several times at her feet and wounding her. If convicted as charged, the defendant, Tory Lanez, faces a possible maximum sentence of 22 years and 8 months in a state prison. The case remains under investigation by the Los Angeles Police Department Hollywood Division. End quote. <laughs> I hate to say it, but they are going to get in his ass. <laughs> There's, you cannot go around shooting people, regardless of where that bullet hits them, if it's fatal or not, or if it hits a bone or a tendon or not. You have to do appropriate time to match the crime. That sounds cliche, but you have to do it. Again, I am not trying to see that man go down for the entire 22 maximum years that, you know, the charge or the charges can equate to, you know, if they really want to go that far. I think that may be a little excessive because of the fact that Megan didn't have any greater damage and, and thankfully didn't die, but she could have. And that's the main problem that for whatever reason, he seems to go over his short ass head that you could have harmed somebody that you swore up and down you had feelings for at one point. Like, that don't make no sense. And I can't believe people got on the Internet and tried to defend him before we even really knew what was going on. And I could have talked about this in an episode or two ago, because, like I said, it's been dragging along since July. But I didn't want to say anything until we got more concrete facts. And the fact that the Los Angeles County has investigated and decided to charge him with those counts obviously means they have a case against him. So why would they waste all that time building one if it was some kind of farce or if he didn't actually shoot her? What do they say? They say innocent until proven guilty. We literally have evidence of her getting out of the car with a bloody foot, the pictures of said foot. And then we also have your stupid ass in a recording talking about how you get shot if it didn't if it didn't hit no tendons or or bone like that's not a great way of defending yourself and whoever whoever is a part of your pr team that decided hey let's make some money off this and get people to stream your album while people are talking about you is an idiot and does not have your best interest at heart they're clearly trying to make money off of your name being tweeted in in a hashtag or instagram that makes no sense and you pretty much are in the predicament you're in from your own actions so if they do put him in there for 22 years i'm sorry to see that that's not going to be a good thing for anybody because that's not like megan has to walk around with with somewhat of a weight connected to that situation if he does get 22 years or regardless of what he gets there's going to be some kind of connection between her and him 
for a long ass time now because this internet stuff does not go away. People make YouTube videos about it. It just keeps on growing and growing. She's always going to be attached to him in that way and vice versa. So he basically made his bed and now he has to lay in it because you cannot go around shooting people just because your short ass gets mad. He not even from here. You know, not saying that people that aren't born in America deserve the whole entire book thrown at them, but send his ass back to Canada, wherever the fuck he from. Sorry, just like, no, you can't do that. And then try to play it as if she making lies. What would she have to gain from saying that you shot her? What would Megan Thee Stallion, who for all intents and purposes is a bigger name now than you, like Tory Lanez, she... I'm trying to reach for a song I know by him, but all of them are basically just based off of a sample from the 90s, and that's just not going to cut it. Megan Thee Stallion has actual bars, has songs with the likes of Beyonce, and like has a star power in her that is shining way brighter than yours. So what does she have to gain from saying that you shot her? It just it just does not it, it does not add up. Your account of the events don't add up and what you did after the events don't add up. So he needs to be handled accordingly. And I hope that Megan Thee Stallion can find some kind of peace with that. It seems that she is well on her way to doing so. She keeps releasing music and, you know, keeps pressing forward. So kudos to her. And I wish everybody involved the best out of an absolute shitty situation that didn't need to happen. Moving on. Moving on to other things in hot topics in media that probably shouldn't have happened or had no business happening. The Real Housewives of Potomac is a franchise that I admittedly am a fair weather fan of. <laughs> I am pretty much only a fan of the Housewives of Atlanta. And even then I really only watch at the beginning of this of the season. And then I kind of tune in towards reunion time because all of that brunch bickering and he said, she said, or she said, she said, just becomes a tad bit draining. And although I think reality TV is nice to indulge in, sometimes it's not my favorite form of television to watch by any means. And it definitely wasn't nice to watch Real Housewives of Potomac stars Monique and Candace get into that fight they got into about a week or two ago. And and Bravo, the network that airs all of these different housewives franchise in different cities they had been promoting and promoting this fight on all of their networks and all of their mediums on youtube and you name it they were basically promoting this fight obviously for their gain so that they can get more viewership and so the fight actually happened and i don't have a problem with the reality tv fight nor do i have a problem with with fighting in general and i say that just because i've gotten into a fight I've, I mean, I've gotten into fights, plural, people get into fights. It's not something that should ever be either beneath or below someone. It's, it is just a very human thing to get to a point in an altercation with somebody to sometimes throw hands. I mean, I'm not saying that it is always the right thing, but I do think it is a thing thing that happens. It's not necessarily something I want to see. In that instance with Monique and Candace, should they have gotten into a fight? No, but when you mix in the kind of liquor they were drinking, whether it was wine and, you know, yeah, they were at a winery. When you mix that in and when you think about the fact that these reality shows are pushed and, and maneuvered by producers who want to see the mess in a real in a real world setting. Even though this is reality television, we all know it is scripted and manipulated to have things look a certain way. In a real life situation, I am not going to be in the same room with somebody for much longer that I know if things get a little testy, I might need to reach over and grab you. I'm not going to be in that situation for long if I see you in the same room as me. As an adult, as a person that understands that actions have consequences, I'm not going to engage in that. And if I do, then... I'm going to make sure all my stuff is good on my end. But needless to say, <laughs> they got into it. The fight was recorded and it was aired on Bravo for everybody to see. But what really is kind of blowing me is the after effects of that fight. All of a sudden, all of the other castmates on that show see a problem interacting with Monique because Monique was basically... <laughs> 
Monique basically drugged Candace. And I remember either last season or the season before that, there was another incident with, again, Monique and Candace, but Monique was pregnant at the time. And Candace basically egging her on, saying, you're going to drag me, Monique? You're going to drag me? That didn't happen then, but fast forward to now, it definitely happened. Monique grabbed her, dragged her. And then Candace wasn't innocent. Candace, like, threw wine and glass in her face. So it was just too much on that day, and that kind of was the heated moment that basically had been boiling all season and even seasons before that. But the thing that really gets under my skin is how they're trying to paint this as if Monique is some outlandish, majorly aggressive person that people need to watch out for. And they did that BS with Portia on The Real Housewives of Atlanta when she drug Kenya down to the ground for literally having something in her face with that blowhorn and that damn uh, speck is it a specter or a, whatever? Y'all know what I'm trying to say. Clearly, I'm <laughs> clearly me and Portia have more in common than just being cancerous because because I can't say that word they will either. <laughs> but anyway, they tried to they tried to flip it and swip it and rub it down as if she needed to go to anger management, and they're doing that same thing with Candace, trying to perpetuate a stereotype that black women who get in physical altercations are somehow either too good to be doing that because they're on reality television and have brands and children and husbands and all that stuff or that they're basically feeding into this stereotype that black women are aggressive in newsflash people can be aggressive it is not just black women white women asian women women across all spectrums can get into physical altercations so the fact that that producers and then people on the show like literally the Giselle woman, I have to play what she said because she is making it seem like she can't even be around her or Monique because Monique hits people as if she's not a part of a damn franchise that she knew going into. I mean, look, listen, the Real Housewives franchise has been on television for easily over a decade. I think Real Housewives of Atlanta is going into their 13th season. She knew what the hell she signed up for. She knew that it was going to be a whole bunch of shadiness, people literally putting you in, pos in positions to push your buttons. And sometimes when buttons are pushed, you get what you get. And in that moment, Monique gave Candace what she gave her. Is she remorseful now? I'm sure she is because nobody wants to be seen as a monster, but you shouldn't have to be worried about being labeled a monster for a natural human reaction, like hitting somebody that has a glass in your face or that is just doing too much. If you get up in my face, don't don't act like all of a sudden all the responsibility falls on me for hitting you in your mouth. You were too close to me. So back up. It's a two-way street. Especially if I know you've been talking and talking like Candace has been talking about Monique and vice versa. You can't be doing all that and then expect not to get a reaction out of somebody. And sometimes their reaction is a pop in the mouth. So I got to play what Giselle said because she made it seem as if she could never be associated with somebody that would hit people on national television as if she's not a part of the very type of franchise where that has happened over and over and over again. Listen to what she said. Do me and Jamal, a pastor, have an image to protect? 100%. So hanging around someone who decides to fight women on national television is that a good look no if that ain't the biggest crock of shit i've ever seen in my life i don't know what is to try to make it seem like she is some upstanding first lady of a church just because she's married to a pastor can somebody knock on her forehead and tell her that her pastor was literally just in the news about an affair and doing crooked ass shit like can somebody knock her on her forehead and tell her that? Like, can somebody also tell her that she is part of a reality TV franchise? She is not some Mother Teresa walking around giving to the homeless constantly and feeding the people that need to be fed. No, she sit there and put her damn Brahmin purse or Gucci purse on the floor. And then when producers tell her to start talking, she start talking. That it, that, that's all that is. You, you are not some holier than thou person that can't be seen with somebody who is aggressive. And that person wasn't even aggressive. Monique gave Candace a couple little bops on the forehead, adjusted her wig, and went on with her day. For the most part. <laughs> That's all. Like, kindergarten is getting worse fight. Yeah, Monique might have got a little cut on her lip, but it's nothing a little hydrogen peroxide I can't fix. Like, ain't nobody life just completely went up in flames after that fight. You talk, you talk too much stuff, you get hit with too much stuff. Like, 
out of here with all that. All of that trying to be, I can't be around her because we have an image to protect. Worry about the image you have now. Worry about the, the church that's barely holding up because nobody wants to go in there and be associated with you or your husband. Worry about that. Worry about being with somebody that fights women on national television. Somebody need to fight your ass. Well, I shouldn't say that. Never mind. Let me move on because that blew me. <laughs> the last thing I'm going to leave y'all with as far as down the T, hot topics, is that vice presidential debate. I know y'all saw it. If y'all didn't see it, I know you saw clips of it, and I know you saw Mike Pence, the Republican vice president candidate, with a pink eye and a fly permanently attached to the top of his head. I know you saw it. Don't tell me you didn't see it, because I know you saw it. It's been everywhere. First of all, this is not like a platform or a podcast for political stuff i don't get into that nor do i really watch debates especially debates in 2020 because i already know who my vote is going for and the vote does not go for anybody that name rhymes with thrump or dump or anything else of that nature <laughs> it's just not going there and i can't make it go there i refuse to vote for anything in the vicinity of there but you know what they say about flies Flies are attracted to shit. <laughs> when you see a little piece of shit, there are flies around it. So it's not lost on me that Mike Pence had a fly permanently on his head and Kamala Harris didn't. But what Kamala Harris did say is stuff that I hope y'all had your ears open to or, or something that you have researched is if you or somebody you know has a pre-existing condition, whether they be diabetes, heart condition, cancer, breast cancer, anything in that realm that is qualified as a pre-existing condition, it would be in your best interest to figure out why you should not be voting with Mike Pence and them. You just, it, should, it would be in your best interest. And if you are somebody that is 26 years of age or younger and still on your parents' insurance, you would want to do the proper research to figure out why it would not be in your best interest to vote for Mike Pence and the rest of the people that he represents. I'm just saying, I'm not telling you what to vote for or who to vote for because that's really not the nice quote unquote thing to do. But look at what has happened since somebody has been in office for the past four years. We are literally in the midst of a bunch of shit in that fly knew it <laughs> i don't know who that fly belongs to i don't know what tribe that fly belongs to but the mother and father did well <laughs> because that fly flew to the one piece of shit it saw on that stage and it wasn't kamala harris that's all i'll say <laughs> do your research go vote if you're able to please go do it it is needed in 2020 just go do it do it early if you can't do it on the day of just do it early because we cannot have four more years of making America great again because what it has not been for the past four years is great. Trust me. I'll leave on that. But anyway, I need to wrap up the show and tell you guys what I am holding and breaking on this week because I think you are going to be interested in what I have to say. So stick with me. I'll be right back to wrap up the show. All right, y'all, really quickly, I just want to give you guys what I'm holding and breaking on, a.k.a. what I'm loving and not loving or heavily disliking <laughs> this week. And I think I'm going to start with what I'm not liking. So I have been dealing with um, some health issues, nothing like really deep. It literally is just not that deep now that I actually have gone through the process to figure out what the hell is going on with my body. <laughs> it's not that deep. But in the process of getting to that point, I've had some doctor's appointments, like probably more doctor's appointments in the past 10 years than I've ever had in my life. Not that I'm afraid to go to the doctor or anything like that. I just, you know, if you're healthy, for the most part, there's no need to go outside of just regular checkups for stuff. Anyway, what's really been grinding my gears <laughs> is when you have a doctor's appointment, right? Everybody has had them from literally a baby when you can't remember them to a full-fledged adult like I am now. You make an appointment, right? You just don't walk up in there and be like, hey, I have a sore throat. Come see me. Especially now in the time of COVID, you make appointments and they see you with appointments in your socially distance and all that stuff. 
at the place I've been going to, which really has been annoying me. And I've been trying my best to just smile through it and just be an adult. But, you know, for the most part, I've accomplished that. But in the back of my mind, I do not understand why they have you check in, write your information down, say if you're a new patient or not. If you go and sit back down in the waiting room, probably wait for like another half an hour because we all know doctor's offices are slow as molasses. Then <laughs> they come and grab you, get your blood pressure, your vitals. At least that's the way to do it in my clinic or whatnot. Then they put you in another waiting area. That is the part that I am here to complain about today. Why are you grabbing me from one waiting area to do something that takes all of two seconds, maybe more? Two seconds is an exaggeration, but you're taking my blood pressure and asking me if any of my medications have changed and blase, blase, blase. That is a maximum three to four minute conversation only for me to go to another smaller waiting area why does that exist like that especially when i have an appointment and i'm not being seen anywhere near the time my appointment was at why what are we here for what what was the point of me having an appointment if you're going to literally have me sign in do something for two minutes and then literally put me in a another waiting area it don't make sense it doesn't make sense in almost Every doctor's office or clinic does that, and I don't understand it. Who made it up? Who made it up? Just write in and tell me why, why. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm going to create an email for when I do things like this, and like, just in general, when y'all feel me on some stuff that I'm just not feeling right now, and y'all y'all feel me, y'all feel me too, you can write in and tell me about your experiences with waiting in a doctor's office for umpteenth hours after they told you your appointment was at 10.30 and you ain't actually seen the doctor until 11.45. What are we here for? <laughs> what it like, I could have passed out by now or I could have injected myself whatever I have to be injected with by now. Like, come on. Like, I made an appointment. You knew what appointment time was. I got there on time and I'm still sitting here for an hour and a half. Like, ugh, I can't. I, ugh, I've tried and I really can't. But anyway, on a lighter note, I really, 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 and I'm excited about this because I said really like 17 times just now. <laughs> I am really, really excited about the debut album or the debut full-length project, I should say, from an artist that I have been following for a little minute now, and that artist is named Duran Bernard. That is D-U-R-A-N-D-B-E-R-N-A-R-R, Duran Bernard. He just released his first full-length project. It's called Durand, <laughs> like D-U-R, and then the, I don't know what you call this sign, but it's like the and sign. It's like a little, it's almost like an eight and an R. You know what I'm talking about. I didn't describe it that well, but you know what I'm talking about. He has his debut album out now. The artwork is amazing, but not only is the artwork amazing, the music is so good. Like, I have not stand, and I use the word stand lightly because it's really usually only, it's usually only in reference to Beyonce when I say the word stand, but I have not stand a male voice like this in a minute. I listened to his album once on Spotify and it was immediately downloaded and there are like six, seven, eight songs that I like and I'm actually going to name you a few so that when you go to your Apple Music or Spotify, wherever you get your music, you can, can say that I sent you. <laughs> it's actually not that many tracks on the actual album and a couple of my favorite are definitely stuck Stuck features Ari Linux, and if you like Ari Linux, if that's kind of your vibe, which is definitely my vibe, I love Ari Linux, then this album is definitely going to fit in your zone, I promise you. So definitely give Stuck a listen to. I like Company. I really like Relocate. I love Prepared. <laughs> and then Volume is one of my favorites. It has Duran Bernard featuring... K Tronada and that is <laughs> volume is a very very relatable song not for some like deep love emotional thing it's just a thing that we do subconsciously at least I know I do it and I won't give too much away I want you to listen to the song and tell me how you you feel about it or you know volume is definitely a very catchy and relatable song and then also racket and passport which is basically like the whole album. The whole thing is good. You can literally just press play and sweep your room or something and be very entertained while doing it. So if you have not heard of Duran Bernard, you can, you know what? Now that I say that, I 
I fell in love with Duran Bernard when he did his first song association video on YouTube with Terrell Grice. Um, if you just type in song association, I'm sure you're going to find a video of Terrell's with that blue backdrop. And Duran Bernard has been on that show a couple of different times. I actually link Duran Bernard and Terrell Grice's latest video where he actually pubs his latest album. And he just, his natural singing voice is just something that is, it just, it's a marvel because he has so much range. He can rap as well. He's just witty and off the dome. And he, you can just tell he has a gift and that is an amazing thing to see. And we honestly, from my point of view, the male voice in R&B has been lacking for a very long time. So it's nice for me to like log into my Spotify and see and really appreciate a male voice in the space of R&B and hip hop and just music in general. So I am loving that album. Again, it's called Duran with the squiggly and sign and you can stream it wherever you stream music. And I'm not just saying that because he follows me back on Twitter. <laughs> it really is a good album and I have been blasting it in my car and everywhere else since it dropped. So go listen to that and tell me what you think and go leave Duran some love. You can find him on Instagram at Duran Bernard, or you can go to his website, which is www.durandbernard. That's D U R A N D B E R N A R R on Instagram, and then www.durandbernard.com. You will not be sorry you did that. I promise at least one or two of the songs on that album will delight your ears, and you will be happy you did it. <laughs> So that wraps up this episode. Thank you for lending me your ears today and continuing to support me on this journey of podcasting, even though I low-key <laughs> don't know what I'm doing slash know what I'm doing, but all in all, I'm getting used to it and I'm happy that I have people listening and giving me feedback along the way. So make sure that you download, subscribe and rate and review this episode and Stay tuned for the ones that are coming up. Just a small teaser. <laughs> After I review Roland Garros, the tennis tournament in France, I'm going to be doing a small switch in gears. And if you are a fan of HBCU culture in any capacity, you may want to subscribe and listen for what's coming up because it's going to be interesting, I promise. You're going to see a, another side of me that I haven't really unveiled yet. <laughs> And it's an interesting one. So, like I said, stay tuned. Keep rocking with me. Download wherever you listen to podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. I'm on all of that and trying to get on more. So, keep riding with me. Keep rocking with me. Keep listening. And I will see you guys on the next episode. Take care, okay? Later. <laughs>